Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Angela Gennari, and I am the host of the Pretty Powerful Podcast. Today, I am joined by Danielle Orsino, who is an award-winning fantasy novelist. Thank you so much for joining us, Danielle. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you. Yes, ma'am. And if you guys don't have your video on, you really should, because she looks absolutely amazing today. She is in full Faye regalia, so she's absolutely gorgeous. So Danielle Orsino is an award-winning fantasy novelist whose lifelong vision is to create whimsical realms that her readers can escape to. Her compelling word-weaving pays homage to a multitude of personal muses, from Chris Claremont and George Perez, both famous comic book writers, to Anne Rice, Jim Henson, and Wonder Woman. She is an award-winning cosplayer known for her DC interpretations. Danielle's Birth of the Fae series is published by Four Horsemen Publications. Thank you again for joining us. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I can't wait. So tell me how you got started in fantasy novels. That's an amazing uh, genre. It wasn't something I did not set out. Let me start with that. It wasn't like okay. I woke up one morning and was like, oh, today I shall be a fantasy novelist. Let's go. <laughs> um, no, that was so far from the truth. Uh, it was uh -huh. not on my radar. My dad will tell you that I always wanted to write. He found an essay from when I was in second grade wow. that said, you know, when I grow up, I want to be an author. But the next oh. week, I also wrote an essay saying why I wanted to be Wonder Woman when I grew up. So, you know, well, you know, you're not far from either. So, <laughs> no, that's what I said. you know, we were close. Um, yes. What happened was I was actually working as a nurse in an IV clinic for okay. Lyme disease. And I met a patient. I grew very close to him and he just didn't want to do treatment anymore. The The way we were treating Lyme was very different than most traditional protocols where, you know, you took some tetracycline and we called it a day after two weeks. Right. This was IV dripping every single day. Doesn't oh. matter if it's Christmas, Thanksgiving, you were dripping. Wow. And I worked holidays, weekends. That was what I was pretty much hired to do. And this patient and I, we, I started the first day I started, he started his protocol. We just walked that path and he just didn't want to do it anymore after about probably a year, year and a half. So he struck a deal with the doctor because he had uprooted his life from uh, a couple states away mm -hmm. to New York. And he was like, I got to get back to work. It, I can't stay here anymore. So the deal he struck was that he would drive five hours on a Wednesday, drip for two, turn around and go home and then come back and spend <clears throat> Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday morning, turn okay. around and go home. I knew it wasn't going to last, but I was like, okay, cool. Uh, after yeah. about three weeks a month, he was like, I can't do this anymore. So we had a discussion and I said, look, you know, what can we do? So he's like, well, entertain me, do something, keep me in this chair. And uh, we had just a conversation. I was like, well, tell me something interesting about yourself, whatever. And mm -hmm. then he casually mentioned that he was recruited by the CIA out of college. Wow. And I'm like, very cool. Not, yeah. How did we not talk about this after <laughs> a year and a half? Yeah. And so 
a couple jokes were made and how he didn't take the job and whatever. We went down the conspiracy theory hole of, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, area 51, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I just made some jokes. And then I said something to the effect of, um, well, you know, where Lyme comes from. And he goes, Plum Island and, you know, the government and whatever. And I went, no. And out of my mouth to this day, I still don't know why I said it, but I went, the Fae. And he was like, what? And uh-huh. I'm like, you know, fairies. And, he, and I kind of just went off on a tangent about how there, it's payback for the way we treat the environment, which the books aren't even about that, but I just threw it out there. Uh-huh. And he was like, well, who are the Fae? And I just made up this story about it, they're really angels that were locked out of heaven after the war with Lucifer. And it just kind of wove itself. And then I said, but, but, you know, being a CIA agent undercover here at this Lyme disease clinic, you know, you're trying to find out if the nurse is really a fae human hybrid. And he just sat back and he went, yeah, that's what I'm doing here. Uh-huh. And I just started telling him a story and I put him in the book as this CIA agent. And we just started talking. And every day he came in, I told him another chapter, just making it off, off the top of my head. I didn't wow. I didn't think wow. I was going to write a book. Right. And he encouraged me. He was the one that like every day, like, he would be like, you're going home and writing this down, right? Wow. That's and amazing. Like, no. And then hmm. here we are with a series. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible well I love it because you allowed him to escape so that he can deal with whatever he was dealing with in his reality and I think that that's powerful that's so powerful so so you start you know you're telling him these stories everything is going well and then at what point do you say okay I think I'm going to take this on as a as a as a book and what did uh, that entail it still, I was still fighting. I joke that I was still fighting against the universe, like a salmon swimming uh-huh. upstream. <laughs> right. I still was fighting against it. I was mm. like, I'm going to go to physician assistant school. I had been doing mm-hmm. all my prereqs. I was really working hard. And right. I'm like, no, I'm going to go pump some faces full of Restylane. And this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like yeah. I have a logical <laughs> plan. I'm, mm. this, is, this is it. And he was the one who was like, you have to go and write these stories down. And I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever. Mm. And then I had gotten interviews to physician assistant programs, which is really competitive. It's very stressful. Right. And um, I had been waitlisted on some. I was close to getting in on others, going back and forth. and We're doing all this. And then uh, I went into anaphylactic shock after a needle stick. Wow. At work. And so I had been having little hive breakouts and things like that going on at work, you know, Lungs were feeling a little tight working with the drugs that I was working with mixing, but mm-hmm. we worked in a basement. I didn't think any, I figured, oh, it's a basement. It's moldy. It's whatever. Didn't right. think anything. I had a needle stick and I then had to be treated with the very drug I had been treating everybody else with. Wow. And two minutes after that IV went going, I looked around and went, I don't feel so good. And I probably didn't even get out the, I don't feel so good before my lungs collapsed and everything tightened up and I went into anaphylactic shock in that very Lyme disease clinic wow and the irony was not lost on me but I was kind of laughing because at the same time I'm texting that very patient who's laughing back at me going well now you know what it's like to get stuck with a needle and he's making all these sarcastic comments and then I stopped responding and he's like I I was kidding he's like I'm I'm joking and I'm not responding Uh uh-huh and then he he's hearing through the grapevine that you know from other patients 
oh, the nurse here is like, like it, she's in trouble, like real trouble. Something's going on. And I went into anaphylactic shock and it turns out I was so allergic that uh, when I saw the allergist, he's like, I don't know, you're a girl with a peanut allergy working in a peanut butter factory. Wow. Like, I don't, don't know how you're surviving. And at that very time I get, you know, I find out, yes, you're getting into the program. I had started writing the books at that point, like just kind of writing down the stories. I had some interest and now I've got to deal with all of this. So I'm like, here's my dream. Yeah, I started writing the books. What do I do? And I'm trying to just comprehend. I decide, you know, I speak to the allergist. He's like, well, maybe if you don't mix it, we could do this. We're, you know, we're trying to work around it because I don't want to lose my job. Sure. And uh, I decide I'm still going to work there because I've loved these patients so much. I mean, I'm there every day with them. And I continue to write. I'm going through the final interviews for this PA program. And I get some interest from one of the big three publishers and it's their metaphysical imprint. Wow. That's incredible. So not their fantasy division where you're like, yeah, it's the metaphysical. Like, okay. It's like down, uh-huh. you know? And I go to them and they're like, look, we want to divide the book in half, but we only take three fiction books a year. And we just took the third one. They said, so come back next year. We're going to take this. We just need you to make the, and I'm like, Okay, I'll think about it. I'm like, I'm, th- I'm thinking. I was like, it sounds good. It sounds good. Okay. Um, let me think, you know. And at that point, one of the PA programs comes around and goes, here's your acceptance letter. Wow. Okay. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to PA school. I got the book, but I'm going to go to PA school. But I, got, but I got like this this manuscript, this synopsis, this query. And I think I have an, and I have an offer that's like, come back January. We're going to take this. And then as I'm reading the contract for PA school, down really way at the bottom says employment contract oh and i'm like what, what, what's this so i read it and i have a friend who's a lawyer and he goes okay basically what this says is you cannot work for the two and a half years you're in this program he's like or else it's a thirty thousand dollar fine oh your credits are null and void and because it's med school you can't transfer he's like and your loans all go into default he's wow. like you need to clarify this he said because if you decide to go with this imprint. He's like, I don't know if this counts as employment. And I'm mm. like, I said, yeah, but if they take the book, I, they take the book. He goes, but you're going to have to edit during that time. He's like, clarify this. He's like, just call the school and clarify. He's like, it's a gray area. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. I call the school. I get the head of the department on the phone and I tell him what's going on. And it's funny because he goes, he's talking. He goes, wait a minute. He's like repeating my name. He's like bright red hair. I go, yeah. He goes, you wore a blue power suit to the interview. I go, <laughs> uh, yeah, yes, that would be me. He goes, he said, did you read the room that everybody was wearing black and white? I go, that, that was a little bit of my Hillary Clinton, like power moment. And right. I go, not that that had anything to do with political beliefs. I just, it was like my woman, you know, like yeah, yeah, sure. here I am. And he goes, He's like, yeah, I remember you, honey. He's like, I remember exactly who you are. And so I explained the situation. He goes, look, do I think if the book comes out, are you, you know, he's like, technically, yes, you're in violation. He's like, would I personally press charge, you know, pursue this? He goes, no. He says, now, I cannot tell you that there won't be a doctor or professor that never wanted to be a lawyer, uh, an author in their life. Right. He's going to come back and, and slide this and go, she's in violation. He's like, if that happens, I have to 
follow through. And I'm like, oh. And then he explained the rules again to me. And he's like, you understand the school's $220,000. Oof. Wow. And he's like, and to hold your place, I need 20 grand in 30 mm. days. And I'm like, okay. Okay. Mm. And he goes, do you want to know what I would do? I said, yeah. He goes, totally off the record. I said, totally off the record. He goes, bet on red, honey. He goes, go bet on yourself and write your books. Oh, wow. Wow. And I hung up, looked at the letter again. And at that point, I said no to the one of the big three imprints. I said no to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, took time to like really get it the way I wanted it and then passed on everything. And here I am. Wow. That's a great story. Good for you. Good for you. So that leads me into a million more questions. So <laughs> you you go into starting your book and you're you find a publisher. So then what happens? Do they give you money to live off of or are you just is a hope and a prayer and you know just you know this thing's got to work. Are you just it's a all hope in? And a prayer. Yeah, it's all a hope in. And a prayer. That's it. Uh my first publisher which I've changed now to Four Horsemen. My first publisher uh, had never done not, uh, fiction. They'd only done nonfiction. I was their first fiction, which mm. looking back, you know, it's kind of, when you're an author, I equate it to your first eighth grade dance. Okay. You know, where you're sitting at and you're like, I hope somebody dances with me. I hope somebody dances with me. Oh my God, is anybody going to ask me to dance? And the first person who does, you're like, yes. And you just run. <laughs> That's what I equate it to. Um, mm. I did not go with the major imprint because to me, it was still like, will you take me in January? Will you not? Like, it didn't feel right. Um, when I looked at everything, they would give me an advance, but I still had to pay the advance back in sales. If I didn't make it, I owed them. It was a very tricky dance we were doing. Uh-huh. And I wasn't sure a metaphysical imprint was right for me. I just, I didn't know. Yeah, they were big, but the marketing, I, I was really, you know, I spoke to a lawyer and he's like, I don't know if this is the right fit. Yeah. So he's like, hold out. So I went with the second one. Once again, not my greatest move. Uh, and then I met four horsemen. But during that time, no, they did nothing. I had to do it all. I had to edit the book uh, down to like designing the cover was up to me, which gave me a lot of freedom. But I had to do all the marketing myself. They mm. were just pretty much like, we'll give you distribution. Okay. And okay. I'm like, okay. Uh, what I did realize is that when you leave a publisher, it's much like a divorce. Oh. Some are amicable, some are not. Okay. So you're constantly learning. Uh, I met four horsemen on a podcast. They had me as a guest. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, you know, the screen went, uh, we stopped recording, screen went blank. And then they were like, so how happy are you with your publisher? They were right. like, we heard some rumblings <laughs> and we really like the book. Why don't you come with us? And then I, I made the switch over. But, you know, writing the first book, I probably did everything wrong that you could possibly want to do I did yeah wow okay you know so mm-hmm. but I learned a lot mm-hmm. that's the only way we learn right is people can tell us to do something do xyz and then you'll be successful but we're like yeah but I kind of want to do c and d and r and k and let's just see how this goes and you learn you know you learn and some things work and some things don't and you know I feel like uh, experience is the best teacher you know what? I didn't have it. I didn't even have the guidance from my first publisher saying, Hey, you should do this or why not Mm. do that? I didn't, it was just me going, okay, now uh, line editing versus developmental. I had a great developmental editor who I found on my own 
and he has continued to be my developmental editor. Uh, and he was phenomenal, but I didn't know line editing. I didn't know the uh, difference. I was like, okay, who, who does what, what happens? Uh, you know, it was just, it was little things that I just didn't understand about the process and you can read about it and that's great, but actually going through it, totally different experience. Okay. Completely. So there was, there was a lot to do. Okay. I see. So let's go into cosplay because I'm curious to see how this plays into it because you've, you had been doing this for a while prior to writing. So did that just add into the creativity and the storytelling? How did that, how did that play in together? Uh, cosplay? I, yes, I'd been doing it for a very long time. I didn't know the two were going to mesh and blend yeah. until I was really writing and I was doing my own fight scenes. And so okay. as I was acting out the fight scenes, I would think about what they were wearing because, you know, you got to make sure they can move. Right. And so I would then start grabbing capes because, you know, you go back to the Incredibles at the mall, no capes. So, you know, I would put yeah. on a cape and be like, does, does a cape work with this? Does it do this? And so eventually it was like, well, I can dress up as Wonder Woman all I want. I can dress up as, you know, Poison Ivy, but let me dress up as Desdemona. And can I do these moves dress? What would she wear? And it started to lend itself to the creativity in the sense of making things more fleshed out, more real. Uh -huh. So I started doing that and I'm like, oh, okay, no, this move works better. Or no, they, they would only wear a cape ceremonially. And it yeah. made the Fae much more real to me. Did I think it would then lend to me being on the covers? Not in a million years was that ever. Did it even cross my mind? No, I just... I started doing the pictures as the characters because once again, it just, for me, I was like, oh, this is, okay, this is Queen Aurora. This is what I want her to look like. So when I write, I now have kind of a point of reference. Yeah. And that's really all it started out to be was just these test characters. Let me test them out. This is how I think I want them to look. And I also thought for artists down the road, I wanted to do a graphic novel. I would have something to give them. Yeah. That's just really what it started out as. And then it wound up being, you know, when the four horsemen saw the pictures, they had seen the first cover, which was just typeset. And they were like, uh, what are you doing with those pictures? And I'm like, mm. I, I don't know. They're supposed to go in a magazine. I, I don't know. And they were like, yeah, give us 24 hours. We got an idea. And then I wound up on the covers of all my books. Wow. That's really, really cool. So now you're on the, the cover of a fantasy novel. How does that impact everything else? Because that's, that's pretty huge. For an author to be on the cover in a in yeah a, that was yeah in a fiction yeah that that blew my mind the first time I saw it uh when this the mock-up was done mm -hmm. uh Valerie Willis is the COO of uh, Four Horsemen showed it to me and I was kind of like uh they didn't tell me they just popped it up on the screen and went this is your cover and it took me back and I'm like that's me and she's like yeah this is what we're going with and it was just this oh I, you know, I think they expected me to be like, oh my gosh, I was more like, holy crap, you know, like, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. because I'm like, you're, as an author, obviously you're judged <clears throat> for your work inside. Sure. Of course. And we can all sit here and say, don't judge a book by its cover. We all do it. Right, 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 right. That's what we do. So now I'm on the outside. Now I'm like, oh, I'm getting judged for the outside and the inside. I have to reconcile this. Mm. Like, and as a woman, I have to figure this out, you know, that's, yeah. 
that there was a lot for my brain to take in. Mm-hmm. And up to this point, the author picture I had used, I had been using Faye pictures. So nobody knew what I really looked like. Yeah. At the end of every book, there was always a different picture of me dressed as a Faye with a little note to my readers like, hey, hope you like this book. You know, catch up what's happening next week. You know, that yeah. kind of like little tongue in cheek yeah. Stan Lee thing. But nobody knew me. So I yeah. was like, oh, okay. Now they're going to have something to say about the covers, the work it's a lot of judgment coming at me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I had to kind of build it up, but it's part of cosplaying. You do it because you're hiding behind a persona. Mm-hmm. I had to figure that out. So, you know, and I'm also not a spring chicken, you know, I'm not 25 Right. where you really don't care at 20. You know, you're just like, right. I'm young. I got, a, I got so many years ahead of me. Right. I'm like, I was like, okay, does everybody realize I'm over 40 doing this like right now? Um, hold on, flag on the play. Back right. up a second. You know, like I had to breathe a little bit. And the deal I had made with them was I was like, you can't airbrush me to look 25. Right. I was like, mm-hmm. that, if I'm going to do this, then let's make a statement with it. Let's yeah. let everybody know I'm over a certain age. I'm doing this. There's, we're not going to do unrealistic body. You know, I said, and when it comes to the point where everybody's in agreement that I can't do it anymore. Yeah. I said, you're going to sit me down, FedEx me a pint of haagen and be like, okay, sweetie, <laughs> you're going to tell me. I said, I'm going to curse at the screen. Whatever I say, I said, you guys have to let just roll off your back. Uh-huh. And the next day, hey, I love you. Okay, it's all forgotten. I said, I can pick who the next person will be to be on the covers. So I have a say in it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And I'm, look, I still struggle with it. There's still times I look at the cover and I'm like, Okay, maybe we could airbrush that, you know, (laughs) maybe, maybe, maybe it's okay. We can fix that, you know. Yeah. There are still days where, you know, the derm is like on speed dial and I'm like, some Botox wouldn't hurt me. But Mm. then I'm like, okay, I have to just accept this is me and go from there. Mm -hmm. I love it. So I love that you owned it and that, you know, you, they, they are putting you on the cover because they see you as you are the character, right? And so I love that. And I love that, you know, you had the courage to do it because it's not easy. Like you were saying, like, you know, as women, we're often like, okay, well, if I put myself out there in this image of being beautiful, then I also can't be smart or I also can't be powerful or I'll, you know, like we, we feel like there's an either or, you know, and Mm -hmm. honestly, that's why it's called the pretty powerful podcast, right? Because when I was thinking about what to call this podcast, it came to, you know, women are often judged as, you know, she's allowed to be pretty, but she's not allowed to be powerful. And we feel like we have to choose one or the other, you know, we can be powerful or we can be pretty, right? But why not, why not give ourselves the permission to be both, you know, and to be pretty powerful and to, to really own that, that space of saying, I'm beautiful in my own way, whatever that looks like, you know, whatever physically, you know, physically, I may not be what somebody else wants, but you know, everybody's different. Um, but I feel beautiful as I am, and I feel powerful as I am. And that was kind of the ownership that you took when you, you know, allowed this this cover because you're you're beautiful, uh, but you're also powerful. I think that was. I'm taking it in, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to become comfortable with it, but to be honest, my younger self would never have done this. Really? My younger self would have pushed back 
hard on this. Right. This version of me is like the, my, you know, the age I'm at now is like, okay, we're going to give it a shot. Now, sure. would I like the skin of my younger self? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. But this is the only version of me that could do this. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm trying to reconcile it and make sense. But no, I couldn't have done that. Like, I really would have pushed hard and been like, yeah, I, I don't know if I could, if I could do that. Like, I yeah. really wouldn't have, would have been like, no, 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 I'm not comfortable. Mm-hmm. But what I find is interesting is that when I do get like women who push back from on the, when I'm on the cover, I'm like, you can't work out your high school trauma on me because you don't know me. Right. Like, I actually wrote what's in the book as well. I did all the world building. I did all the research for the dragons. That's all me. Yeah. Just because I'm on the cover with a fin or a crown mm-hmm. doesn't make it, it doesn't lessen or minimize my work Absolutely. as an author. Absolutely. Yes. So, so that's, you know, I I love that you're owning that and you're taking your power back, you know, because, you know, as women, we give our power away so often, you know, whether it's allowing somebody to criticize us or allowing those criticize, you know, criticisms to minimize who we believe we are and what we're capable of. And, you know, stepping into that power is what it sounds like you're doing now, you know, with owning, being on that cover and writing what's inside and standing up for yourself. So tell me about a time that you gave away your power and, and what that looked like. Unfortunately, I've done it a lot and um, I'm getting, I'm trying to get better with it, Mm. but I did it a lot when I was in martial arts because martial arts is a hierarchy. You have an instructor and then, you know, the underlings as I call them. Right. Right. Uh, And I, I did it. I was bullied by instructors really coming up through the ranks and they were usually men mm-hmm. because it does it you know it it is a male dominated field right any way you look at it it just right. is there's nothing bad about it but that's just the way it is and I did allow uh, a certain instructor to tell me this is how you should look this is how you should compete mm. this is how it should go and you know I, I let it happen for a very long time where he would say, I must be sleeping with my instructor in order to get where I am. You know, it was never, mm. I got where I am because of skill. It must right. be that I'm sleeping with somebody I'm doing this and doing that. And he bullied me for years to the point where it was physical at times. And wow. I, I did allow it to happen because I thought I'm stuck to a point in, this is how the martial arts is. And that's okay. I know who I am. You know, you kind of like, you don't realize it's still toxic. Yes. And you're like, yeah, but I'm good at myself and whatever. And it wasn't until uh, a tournament that he had hosted where it was just so blatant. It was to the point where um, I had won the female fighting black belt division. And then my assistant instructor had won the men's division and the tournament flyer. It said men, female, grand champion, they'll fight. So I lined up to fight. And my assistant instructor was like, this is so cool. We're going to fight each other. He's like, this is every instructor's dream to have their student match. And the, the head of the organization was one who was, being a pain in my neck, bullying me, came up and he went, any meaning money. He goes, Danielle, you're not fighting. He's like, no. And my the assistant went, she won. He's like, we're supposed to. And he went, no. And I looked down, I went, am I wearing my pink black belt again? Like all the respect that uh-huh. I gave him just went out. And he was like, you're not. And I said, but the tournament rules say, and yeah. he's like, I don't care. And I'm like, wow. but if one of your students had won, you would have let it. And at that point I took my belt off and I handed it out and I dropped it on the floor. And I said, if you define what it is to be a black belt, I don't want to be it anymore. 
Mm. And my assistant instructor, I mean, his eyes were like, and I said, I'm, I'm done with the bullying. I'm just done with all of it. And I said, I'd like to tell you, it's been a little slice of heaven, but it hasn't. And then somebody went, did she just quote Bugs Bunny? And I went, yes, I did. <laughs> and I turned around and I had just been fed up and I took my power back, but I lost everything. I lost yeah. my rank, lost my organization, lost my kin, like, you know, who I thought were my people. Right. And I walked out. Wow. <clears throat> but it took me eight years, eight years of the rumors, the bullying, the physical abuse, all of it. Wow. But I did it eventually. But to this day, you know, it's still, it still haunts. There's still healing that needs to go on. And then I, I did jump back into another, you know, like, yeah, this, the cycle continued for a while, but yeah, I did it. Wow. Well, good for you for standing up for yourself and taking your power back, because I think that translates so many other places in life, right? Like when you start taking your power back in something that continually pulls you down and pulls you down and pulls you down and you step into your power and you say, no more, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm willing to throw it all on the table and risk everything to walk away from this. It's just not worth it. I believe yeah. it just, it sets you up for bigger things in life. It really does. I believe it does. I think, um, I think the thing is, is that you have to realize when you're doing it there, where else does that behavior happen? Yes, and I have caught it where, you know, if I have a good idea, I'll kind of say, oh, I heard it somewhere here, like out in uh, the ether, yeah. even though it was my idea. And I oh, find yeah. women do that a lot Yep. because it's like, for some reason we're, we're scared of rejection, but we're almost scared that if we say this, it'll be expected of us time and time again. And we can't live up to those expectations. I think we set ourselves up. Mm, yes. You know, for like, don't expect too much out of us, but, but we want to be respected, but don't expect too much. You know, it's like, there's so much pressure on women in general. And I think we need to be softer with each other. Yeah. Because absolutely. there's just judgment as women in general, that it's like, we want to support each other, but not too much, but enough. But then we're, we're nudging to get out of the way because there's not enough room out there for us. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. And we, we will take the back seat, you know, we'll, we'll pull ourselves back and we'll undersell ourselves. You know, it's like, well, I mean, yes. that was an okay idea. Just, you know, I heard it somewhere before, right? You know, this, it, yes. but you're right. It's, it's just, you know, we're afraid to step into that, you know, power and take credit for something that we've, thought of because you're right it's, it could be a rejection but it could be you know judgment it could be a lot of things and also the expectations of well if I set myself up for this then where do I go you know then I could fall back what if I fail what if I do this what if what if the expectation is that I'm going to come to the table with great ideas and then all of a sudden the next time they're like oh what happened to you you must be sleeping where was you that know? good idea yeah. yeah yeah what happened and I I think that's something that I have seen in general or the idea that we can't have made, we, we couldn't have made mistakes in the past. Sure. Like we have to be perfect all the time, you know, yeah. no skeletons in the closet, no this, no that. And it's like, you know, everybody's got problems, issues. We need to just understand that it doesn't define who we are. Right. Right. And it's an impossible expectation. It's an impossible expectation that we can be a hundred percent all the time. And so, you know, we have to give ourselves a little grace. And I think as women, we're not used to doing that. We don't give ourselves grace. We want to, we want to play at the level, the same level all the time. And so mm -hmm. that's why we never reach too high because we don't want to drop too low. 
And so, yep. you know, we're, we're afraid of that. So we have to, uh, we have to give ourselves permission to, to have grace, you know, um, agreed. It's not easy. So, so you inspired your patient, um, to continue with his treatment. So who inspires you? I know this sounds very, uh, cliche, but I have to say, you know, my hero is Wonder Woman and always yeah. has been. I have a tattoo of Wonder Woman on my back. Uh, she inspires me. And in, whether it's the Linda Carter uh, mm-hmm. iteration, gals iteration, or just the comic book in general. Yeah. I began watching Wonder Woman four years old, I think is the my earliest recollection I have of mm-hmm. seeing the reruns and, and things. But this idea of this character that was strong, compassionate, but could crush something with her bare hands, but chose not to mm-hmm. always fascinated me. Yes. It, it was just, I was just very like, this is interesting. Cause up to that point, I had only seen Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. you know, and then I saw Yvonne Craig a little bit as Batgirl and I thought, all right, that's cool. But you never saw her punch. You only saw her kick. And even as a kid, I realized that I was like, interesting. she only kicks people like, huh that's okay. But why? Yeah. What was it? And then I saw Linda Carter and I'm like, what is this? What is this creature? Mm -hmm. This is different. She doesn't need a sidekick. She is the person. That's what I love about her. She's not, she's not like Superwoman, where, you know, she's just the female iteration of the male, right? Like that's Batgirl. That's, you know, and that's, that's Superwoman, but Wonder Woman is her own woman. That's what I was always like. Okay, like she she didn't she rescued Steve Trevor, but she didn't have to have him. Right. Like there was never, mm-hmm. you know, she could go off on her own and she didn't call him for backup. And I was always watching it thinking, what is happening here? You know, yeah. like she doesn't need a utility belt. There were always things that I was like, this is this is different. And in my little yes. brain, I'm like, something has shifted cosmically on this level. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to know everything about her. I was, I mean, I had you name dolls, coloring, whatever. I had it. And my dad jokes that he knew this was my, my core belief, my core inspiration. When um, I went to, it was, I think it was preschool, nursery school, whatever it was. And um, the kids weren't playing together. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm half Puerto Rican, half Italian. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I had a little bit of darker skin. And so um, the African-American kids would not play with me because mm-hmm. I wasn't dark enough the white kids wouldn't play with me because I didn't look like them right and so he got a phone call that I broke all the crayons so he's like well how'd she break the crayons so the teacher said he's like she's like well she took all the wrappers off took a piece of paper took the white went over to the white kids and said see you're not white you're peach uh-huh. then went over to the black kids did the same thing showed them all the colors and said if the crayons can live in the box why can't we play and then she said she said all the kids started playing together interesting she's like and he goes so he goes so why do I have to come pick her up she's like because she took all the wrappers off and said we shouldn't have labels we shouldn't have colors Hmm. you're peach you're this you're that and he goes great so he's like so she's like you gotta buy us all new crayons because I'm trying to teach the kids colors and I can't do it if the crayons don't have colors so he goes I'm bringing them so he comes in and he goes he's like what did you do and I looked right up and I said I'm an ambassador like Wonder Woman And he just looked at her and she said, he goes, tell me what three, four year old knows the word ambassador. Right. And she goes, well, I can't get the cape off of her or the tinfoil bracelets. She's like, so we need to do something about this Wonder Woman thing. And he goes, 
if my kid can get all these kids to play together, yeah, he's like, I'm not doing a darn thing but taking her home to watch Wonder Woman. That's right. He's like, so we're fine. And she's like, she can't keep wearing the underoos on the outside of her clothes anymore. <laughs> she's like, she can't, she can't, she can't, she can't, she can't. Right, right. So he's like, he said at that point he knew this probably wasn't going away anytime soon. Of course. And it, it didn't. I mean, that it just stuck with me to the point where, you know, I would always think, what would Wonder Woman do? Like that, yeah. that just stayed with me through high school, through everything up through nursing. You know, it was, she was a nurse. Yeah. You know, what would Wonder Woman do? And I try to keep that compassion with me under most circumstances. Mm-hmm. I love it. And, and what I love about that is that it didn't go away. It evolved. Right. So I love that you still harbor that within you. It's still, it still is in you and um, you haven't, you know, squashed it and made it go away. So I think that that's fantastic. Yeah. I I don't think I kind of joke that most people could learn a little more kindness if they just watch the old Wonder Woman shows. Yeah. You know, as campy as they are, just it kind of teaches you everything you need to know. Just just watch it and you'll learn a little compassion. It, that's really all there is. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So, so as a woman, um, I'm sure you've had a million challenges and in, in putting your book together. What do you think has made it different with being a woman versus, you know, a man as an author publishing books? Um, I was asked several times to change to my initials. Don't let anybody see that you're a woman in fantasy. Really? change it to dm orsino instead of danielle m uh oh. because you know on the woman in fantasy there's not a lot of women in true you know epic high mm-hmm. fantasy uh the funny thing i get and i still get it to this day is that when they i have no romance in my book i have okay. like glimpses of romance in book three it becomes it's the enemies to lovers trope but leading up to it there's no romance okay. and with the fae that's a normal thing. Like Sarah J Moss, Cassandra Clare, like a lot of them, they're romance driven plots. Mm. I am not, but because I'm a woman, it's assumed that my book will be romantic. And so when they get it, they're like, okay, who falls? And I'm like, no, like, no, I have great fight scenes. Phenomenal (laughs) fight scenes. This Mm. is what I do. I'm a martial artist. I'm a world champion martial artist. Of course I have fight scenes. And then people write, I must be very angry. Or it's it's a very violent book. It's a very, and I'm like, my book is no more violent than anything else. It's just, I don't have sweeping horseback battle scenes. Mine are very three people fighting. And yes, they're, they're detailed. I videotape all my fight scenes. I act them out, but because I'm a woman, I'm angry. I'm violent, very violent, you know, to where if a man wrote it, it would just be, it would just be a fight scene. It wouldn't be, this would not be a blip on the radar. Right. Right. But because I'm a woman, she's very angry and there's no romance. And when when are we getting romance? And I'm like, these are, these they are trying (laughs) to figure out what to do with their lives. They were angels. They can't go back home. My chick does not have time to be swiping right or left on Tinder. Okay. (laughs) This queen is very busy. She's Uh, busy. Leave her alone. (laughs) <laughs> they they can't that they can't grasp because yeah. of a woman. Yeah. So I found that to probably be the most disturbing piece yes. of it. Um, yeah. That they're so like, oh, you know, she, she's angry. And oh my gosh, or that I would dare challenge 
you know, the idea of Christianity to yeah. where, you know, every I'm on blasphemy lists and I've got every Christian ethics group coming after me and fanning yeah. the book and whatever. And then like, you get it's fantasy, right? Right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, if it were fight scenes in a novel written by a man, nobody would question it at all, at all. But, you know, you're right. I mean, I love that you don't need, you know, to have a, uh, a woman who has to be rescued by a man in order to make the the romance part of it work, you know, like that's, oh, yeah, I'm over it. So yeah, I, I, I am so incredibly impressed with with what you're doing because I think it's it's setting a new tone for what the expectation is for women and the angry thing I I totally get that like I I've been told you know in the dating world because I'm a single and so I own a security company and you know the the biggest concern men have is wow it sounds like you're really driven and successful I mean do you even have time to to be with a man and I'm thinking who questions men who are successful you know does anyone say nobody does nobody nobody says you know oh you're a very successful man do you have time to nurture your wife you're like come on (laughs) it it wouldn't even come up I -hmm. did that spoiler alert everybody um I the the dark fake king is a virgin in my book Mm. and that was just everybody was like king jarvok hasn't been with a woman I'm like no And they were like, they were, people were looking at me like I grew another head. And I'm like, why does the dark Fay King have to be a player? Right. Why can't he have been, why can't he have just been like, you know what? I got a lot going on and maybe I'm a little emotionally closed off and I can Mm -hmm. admit that. Why can't he be that like, you know what? Maybe I just don't want to orb. Maybe I'm focusing on me. me. Maybe (laughs) Maybe it's just me. Right. And I've been busy fighting wars. And so my reward is not to go grab a chick. Maybe I'm just a little upset with this whole war thing. And I like just fighting and then going to bed alone. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's his thing. Or he was too scared to. But people were like, that's really bucking the trend. I'm like, I know. I like that. But the thing is, is my queen is also one. So when they finally decide to get together, they're both like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And where does it go again? (laughs) Like they're having a little moment of just. I'm not sure how this whole thing's, and they're like, but they're yeah. I'm like, but, you know, and people were just like, oh. and I had some people were like, this is, this is awesome because it goes against everything. But I had yeah. other people that were like, well, you know, the Faye. And I'm like, why? Because if I was a man writing this, this right. would be groundbreaking. Like, exactly. holy cow. But I'm like, why does she have to be a virgin? And he's not. Why right. can't they both be? Right. Right. Oh, why? Gosh. Yes. Why can't it just both be a moment of, and I, you know, I joke that uh, his lieutenant, who's kind of like his son, has to explain sex to him. But uh-huh. they call it aura blending. So he does it all in battle terms. Mm. So he doesn't have to, we don't get into the mechanics of, right, of right. it, you yes. know. But I'm like, why does it have to be, you know, and, and somebody made a point. They were like, if this was a dude explaining, they were like, this would all be, it would be a groundbreaking thing. But because sure. the woman writing it, it's more of this attitude of like, well, why, why, why? Like everybody wants an explanation of it. Sure. Or if it was a George R. R. Martin, it would be, well, no, mm-hmm. that's, that's of course how we're going. Right. You know, yeah. That's, we're, we're bucking the trend, man. We're doing something different. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you know, mm. 
so I find it funny that even in fantasy, the stereotypes are what they are. You Absolutely. know, a dark fake king has to be just this, this Casanova. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, the light fake queen has to be a virgin. Right. Of course. Because, you know, everybody has expectations of how the world operates in a very normal sense to them. If you can put people in the categories that they know, you know, and yes. so when you're when you're going outside, you're coloring outside the lines a little bit. People are like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not the way mm -hmm. it's supposed to be, you know, and I yes. hate the I hate the mentality of this is the way it's supposed to be. That is just crazy to me that people still think that way. But so what advice would you give to 18 year old you? Oh, gosh. Uh, the first thing I would tell her is not to hang her hat on um, achievements so much. Mm. I think, you know, I was very quote unquote driven, right. uh, you know, for martial arts, you know, competing was my life at that point. At 18, I was I was starting to just ramp up. Mm -hmm. And so it would probably be you know, just because you're in martial arts doesn't mean you have to kowtow to the hierarchy. Right. You know, uh, stand up for yourself just a little bit more, even if they have a belt above or whatever it is, it doesn't mean they always know best. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, at 18, you're still a kid. I don't, I, I understand every 18 year old is, is throwing things at their phone right now and being like, I'm an adult, I'm an adult. Right. Yes. You're an adult looking at you, mm. but there's still so much out there. So it would be, you're still a kid and adults don't always know what's best. So yes. you have to kind of do it for yourself. So it would be to be my own advocate. Mm -hmm. Yes. In the world, like moving forward. Mm -hmm. uh, to be my own advocate, to give myself the same grace I give others. Yes. Because I'm so quick to be like, that's okay. You're having a bad day. It's cool. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it would be to do that for myself because I'm too quick to be like, you did this wrong, blah, blah, blah. And just get, and like beat myself up to the point of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give myself that little bit of grace and to remember that not everybody is, is as trustworthy as you think they are. Make people work and earn your trust and respect. Yeah, I was too quick to give, yeah. way too quick to give. And I'm, it's a pattern I'm still breaking to this day. I'm yeah. still breaking it. Uh, and there's a fine line between cynicism yeah, and that, you know, I always mm -hmm. joke fine line between confidence and delusion, kind of the same thing, yes. you know, and to have a little more confidence because 18 goes by real quick and 18 turns into 38 turns into 48 and 58 real fast. So I, I look at younger girls, women right now. And when they're like, Oh, you're just old and you're jealous. Cause I'm this, it's like, no, I'm, I'm not jealous of that. I'm jealous of the confidence that younger women nowadays display. Yeah. I wish I had that. And I wish I had it now. Mm -hmm. I'm not jealous of what you got, honey. Right. You got it. Go for it, baby girl. Yeah. Go for it. But be careful because the world is a scary place and we don't want to see you taken advantage of. And I think that's probably something I'd give advice to any 18-year-old is the older women are not jealous of you in that sense. They're more protective. Right. So give that grace back. The minute you want to yell at them and say something about their age, just remember time waits for no one. You will be that age. 
Yes. You will be that age and it will be quick when someone hits you back with that comment. Uh Society is not nice to older women. And I mean, older women, the minute you turn 35, you're invisible. Unfortunately, I know. Mm -hmm. So just a little grace overall. Mm. Yeah. I I was always sensitive to that when I met women, but I didn't understand what they were going through. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. Yeah. It's tough because, you know, when, when you're a young woman, you think, you know, oh, well, it's, it's a, a place where I have to do everything on my own. And really like women can lean on each other. And I think that it's getting better. I think that, you know, women are giving grace a little bit more to each other, but there's still ridiculous standards that, you know, other women expect us to uphold. And, you know, social media doesn't exactly help that either. Social media is for as great as it is in some respects for creators and for businesses mm-hmm. in other ways. I look at it and I'm like, the pressure it puts on us. Oh yeah. Oh is crushing. Mm-hmm. It's, absolutely. It's, it's absolutely crushing mm-hmm. as, you know, somebody who's just, as I'm moving through the years, I'm like, I, I couldn't, Im- I can't imagine being, you know, having a daughter right now. I would be, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't even. Um, but it's it's very it's very difficult i get it now i mean i look i get it from just the covers the critiques on the covers yeah for sure and i'm like you know and i've done it even on bookstagram tours where Mm. people you know they talk about the book and then they'll be like let's get into the cover and i've had people be like "Uh, whoever it is looks like phoebe from friends and not phoebe in a good way and i'm like what the heck does that mean or i've been like she looks like lady gaga before the surgery and i'm like what the heck you people you know and I'm like (laughs) first of all Lady Gaga before the surgery I'm like I don't even know you know where we're going or you know I don't like her covers I wish that they were more sketched or everybody's got an opinion on what the cover should look like whether it's about me personally or just the style and I'm like could you just get to the story like I don't really care about your opinion about the cover because the cover is the cover yeah it is what it is I can't go and redo the cover just for one person right you know I'm like and I've told I I, I've said to some women before when I've done book clubs is that you're missing the point of the cover Mm -hmm. there's a woman over a certain age who wrote the book and is on the cover and is deemed the new Fabio of fantasy whatever you know take the moniker for what it is it's a jump for women yeah I don't care if you like I don't know I don't care if you like my dragon or not right my dragon yeah you know I'm happy with her and everything on that cover was either I've made, I've had a hand in making, I've designed, whatever. Just look at it and go, you know what? She did it. Good yeah. job. You know, it's the same thing. Like when I see whether I like them or not, you got a high five and go, you know what? Whether I agree with this or not, you did it. it and you're it, owning it. doesn't it. matter. Yeah, yeah. Like just high five. Yeah. You know, what am I going to do? The only people, sorry, um, people are going to hate me for saying this. The only thing I don't do that for are the Kardashians because for obvious yeah. reasons, but everybody else, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll high five you and be like, look, whether I agree with you or not, you're mm. doing it Yeah. and you're making a statement for it, more power to you. You know what? Just good for you, girl. Like, cause somewhere yeah. it's helping. Mm. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. So I have really enjoyed this conversation, but um, one last question for you. What do you wish more people knew? About me, the books, or just just in general? Yeah, just life. I think just 
overall, I think it is just that grace. Yeah. We have to remember that everybody's got something going on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. Everybody's situation is different. You don't know what's happened in their past. And I joke, you know, I've said this before, people are carrying around suitcases and you don't know what's in them emotionally. Mm -hmm. you don't know the guitar string you're going to pluck that day that's going to make that suitcase open you you just don't know the tension and so I'm not saying that this gives everybody carte blanche to be jerks right not what I'm saying at all uh but you just don't know so sometimes I think we judge a little too quick a little Mm -hmm. too harsh yes give it a second uh you know even I take it you know taking it back to books and things like that you know everybody's quick to give an opinion on stuff you don't know yeah you know just remember somebody's doing a dream they're making something happen if you don't have something nice to say well, don't say anything or find yeah. one good thing unless it's something that's so offensive where you're like okay they're spreading hate they're doing this different circumstance totally different sure but you know what if somebody's living out their dream if it's not hurting you right it's none of your business. Hey, let them go. Move on. Let it go. You know, but to judge people and to get caught up in, oh, they must be like this and make these assumptions. I think we just have to sit back and give everybody grace because also as society, we've just come through a very difficult time with yes. the lockdown, with COVID. People lost jobs. Like things happened. And I mm-hmm. think we're still, we have a short-term memory in some sense where yeah. we forget that was not too long ago and it was not, not everyone has recovered. Right. We're all on a different timeline. So quick to judge. Yeah. You know, yeah. just take a step back and remember people are still going through stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. let's just give ourselves and society in general a little bit of a, a little bit grace, but also don't be a jerk. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't like the monitor when people turn around and go, I'm just brutally honest. I just, oh, you gosh, know, yeah. I hate that. I'm like, you're not honest. You're just taking your venom and spewing it and mm. then following it up with, that's just me. I'm just honest. No, <laughs> You know what? If it's not going to make that person's life better, mm-hmm. they probably don't need to hear it. Right. So how about mm. you just turn and walk away or you could find a better way to say it. Yes. That will get through. I think Mm -hmm. communication is is a little more key. And just women in general, we need to come together and remember our power as collectives, as a group. Mm -hmm. We are so much stronger when we're together than when we're divided based on age, uh, based on class, whatever it is. We're just too busy poking and fighting each other and being catty when there's no reason to. Right. Right. There's you no know? space for all of us. There really is. There's enough space for all of us to to be successful, to live out our mm-hmm. dreams. It doesn't hurt you to be kind. Yes. Yeah. I think that's that's really the thing that I think people just need to realize. That's probably why I do um, really, I'm inspired by Wonder Woman is when you look at the Amazons as a whole, that society is there to lift each other up and yeah. treat each other truly as sisters and I think it's it's a really lovely mm-hmm. idea. Yeah. Whether it happens is a different circumstance, but it's it's a lovely idea. And um, I know coming from my publisher, like I, I have one publishing, uh, one author friend, C.R. Rice, and she's young adult fantasy. Okay. And people still find it crazy that her and I collaborate. 
they're like, but, she, but she's young adult fantasy. I'm like, okay, they're like, your fantasy. <laughs> and they, they find it crazy that two women in fantasy can help each other out. People are still blown away. And we will get it in interviews where they're like, where she'll say, oh, I love Danielle's books. And they're like, but that's fantasy. Aren't you guys mm. against each other? And we're like, against each other? Why yeah. would we, why are we, no, she's yeah. young adult fantasy. I'm fantasy. And we're actually talking about doing a crossover of our series and people are just like, but you're, but you're, you're upset. And I'm like, now if she was a man, would you be saying, right. You know? And we're just like, so I, I just think we could all kind of blend mm. together a little more and help each other out. Absolutely. Oh, a hundred percent agree with you. Well, this has been really, really enjoyable, Danielle. Thank you so much. And I really wish you incredible success with, with your series. And I hope that you just continue writing and putting out all of that great fantasy goodness into the world. Thank you so much. I appreciate have you having me and, and being able to sit and talk to you and, and have another woman just to exchange ideas with. It's lovely. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. If you want to check out Danielle Orsino, please go to prettypowerfulpodcast.com. She will have all of her links on our website and uh, you can you can listen to this um, as, as all uh, episodes from the website or from your favorite podcast um, streaming service. So thank you again for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.